This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training. Today's episode is called Creating Traditions. And joining me today is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is cooking. I, um, I've been listening to this book uh, by the producer Brian Grazer. Um, now that I've started this conversation, I can't remember the name of it. It might be called Face to Face, but um, I will link to it in the show notes. But I'm listening to this book by Brian Grazer, and it's all about like uh, making connections and, and having conversations, you know, with your full presence. And, um, in the beginning of the book, he started talking about flow state, which is a, a state of, of creation, um, that all of us aim to be in, but is so difficult to achieve or difficult to get into, whether you're an artist or an athlete or any kind of like performer getting into flow state is a is a very special magical thing and um when i was listening to him talk about it because i'm listening to the audiobook i started thinking about when the times have been that i have been in a flow state at least this year right because i'm not living my normal like performer life i'm not living my normal actor life this year and I realized that one of the the activities that I know I have been able to really access flow state has been when I cook. Um, and I, I realized this over the weekend and I, so I, it just inspired me to like start a new recipe. And uh, so I was cooking this weekend and I have a couple more things I'm going to be trying and handing out to friends or dropping on their doorsteps. Um, but it was just a really special thing to, to like think about that, to take a step back and think about how good that feeling is and then find what the activities are where I'm able to get there and then just do them. So my art life is cooking. I have so much to learn from you. Cooking is a, is a skill that I am, I'm working on achieving flow state for me it's it's like cleaning and ironing <laughs> but i'm wondering when you're looking for new recipes i tend to like get really stressed when i have something in mind and i'm googling it and like ah do you use cookbooks or where do you get the recipes from oh all sorts of things i i do ask people cuz i love trying a new recipe or having some sort of challenge or like knowing that I'm cooking for a specific person who likes a specific thing. So often it's like like trying a new recipe is inspired by who I am making food for or it's inspired by an ingredient that I have in my cupboard or that I get at the grocery store. Um, here's a, you know, a great example is like I had a date this weekend and he said, like we had a date in the park, right? A little picnic. And he said he wanted to bring sushi. And I said, oh, like wonderful. Well, I'd love to bring a dessert. And then I was like, well, what would be a good dessert to, to do with sushi? And like 10 years ago, I made um, these like chocolate wasabi brownies. 
that I remember being so good. And so from there, I like did some research online and found a recipe for like dark chocolate wasabi cookies. Ironically, I did not like the recipe. I ended up not liking it, but um, (laughs) the, the one that I found this weekend, but it was still inspiring because then it brought me to find other recipes that I'm gonna try this week. Um, since I did not like the one I ended up choosing. But that was a good example of how I choose because it's like I had a very specific meal. Like he was make- he was bringing sushi. And so what would go well with that? And from there we got to dark chocolate wasabi. But it really, I mean, it totally depends. I am a girl who likes themes. As you know, I yes. like to do themed dinner parties. So that often is what inspires the recipes I choose. Um knowing that I'm doing like a barbecue night or I'm doing a Moroccan food night. Um, but it can be from all all sorts of places, you know, whether it's just like I have this ingredient, what do I do with it? Or I have this person with certain dietary restrictions. Um, it's all about a feeling is the other thing I was going to say. For me, like cooking is all about a feeling. So I really go by tasting a bite of something and improvising from there. Um, While I do follow recipes, I definitely am out of the part of the flow state is I can adjust them to my liking because I'm just, when I'm in the cooking space, when I'm in that flow state, I don't, there comes a point where I'm following the recipe, but then I can let go of it and improvise within it. I want to make a sign now, like a a calligraphy piece that says cooking is about a feeling and hang it in my kitchen as a reminder. It totally is. Like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to feel good. And obviously the goal is to make something that tastes good. So like I think any rigidity takes the fun out that's of it my problem me. yeah and I, and I totally understand <laughs> that and my roommate caters the same way where she's a little bit insecure in the kitchen and so she needs to follow the the recipe really rigidly but whether it's um, cooking or even baking I'm like you have to be able to kind of feel things out like even you know appliances work differently in different homes so Yes, this recipe might say something needs to bake for this many minutes, but you actually have to kind of feel it out how long it actually needs to cook. And the kind of tin you're baking in also is going to like influence how long something needs to cook. So, So it's really getting into the space of feeling out the food or feeling out the thing, tasting it and just like listening to it rather than like rigidly following a recipe because so many factors can determine how something turns out even if you follow something perfectly my my one thing that i can make with confidence in the kitchen is chocolate chip cookies i perfected my chocolate chip cookie recipe one break from university and my favorite tip is that you have to smell the cookies before they're ready which is what you're saying, that you have to feel out how long the bake time is. And that will vary with your oven and the temperature and everything. But I like to smell the cookies. And and this is something I also learned exactly what you're saying. It's what I, something I learned from Adam, Adam Fleischman, who we had on an interview like a couple months ago. He is a chef and a restaurateur. And so 
he loves cooking with me and he's like, you're such a great cook and all of these things. And I'm like, I don't have any training. Like, I don't know. You know, I'm very intimidated by that because you work with like the best chefs in the city. And he's like, no, it's just all about a feeling though. He's like, it's not about, you know, training or technique necessarily. It's about a feeling. And you feel like you clearly are in tune with what the thing needs, what the food needs. So that was um, Love it. that was very validating. And it made me more of a confident yeah. person in the kitchen to trust my intuition rather than just like following what something, a piece of paper says. Okay. I will take that in and let you know how it's going. I love it. And I always want people to send me recipes. So if any of our listeners are like, oh, you have to try this, please send it my way. Zandra, how is your art life? My art life is excitable. I have taken several months to rework my editorial calendar for heroin training. And I finally feel really good about it, where I'm publishing a newsletter every Tuesday and a blog or an essay or a poem on heroin training about every other Tuesday. And I'm just, I'm in a groove with that. And I have my new, as of this summer, print edition tier where I'm printing out my essays and poems and sending them to patrons in the post. And because of that, I've gotten into a pattern of finishing and printing something that I'm going to publish and have it ready a week in advance because of post times. I have to have it ready so that my patrons receive it before or on publication date and they can hold it in their hands the day that it comes out. And so that's actually been really calming for me to have already closed the loop on something that I'm publishing digitally that far in advance. So now that I have this foundation of the editorial calendar that I feel good about, I'm starting to think more longer term and dream up what else I'm going to be doing next. And that's the that's an exciting part. It's like a um, to refer to another art life guest of ours. It's the business craft from my interview with Erica Lermark. So I. I anything could happen. I'm enjoying that. I don't think we've talked about on the show yet how you decided to do a print edition, to do a print tier of your essays. And I would love to talk about where you got that idea because it's so unique. It came up when I was writing an essay called Owl Post or like it was called Like Owl Post. And I published it a year or so ago. And I just, I was getting, I was writing about my emailing routine and how I get bogged down by so much information coming in and out digitally. Speaking of digital boundaries, which we are fond of discussing. And I just, in this moment of frustration, emitted into this essay, I wish I could just print out my essays and mail them to people so I don't have to worry about formatting them. And at the time, it was formatting them for Instagram. And that's where it really clicked into place for me to decide to do this now because it, for a long time, felt like this is something I'm going to do years in the future. 
But when I decided to leave social media, it freed up so much space and time that I thought, I have time to do this now. I would much rather spend an hour printing and decorating essays on a page and personalizing them for my patrons than I would uh, otherwise be spending that time fiddling with font sizes to in hashtags for Instagram. I love that it came out of this brilliant idea came out of a moment of frustration. It's such a good reminder that, yeah. you know, some of our best ideas are are born from our frustration, right? Our, our efforts to innovate, they come not from everything being easy, but actually from being mad that you don't like the way that something is structured or you don't like the expectations or you don't like the way that a business, you know, whatever business or um, or industry you work in, you don't like the mm. way something's run in- instead of just like getting getting buried in that kind of frustration. You go, wait, what if I just completely did it in my own way? And here we are. This is the core of the heroin training ethos, which is imagining yourself as the protagonist of this story when the protagonist is faced with a challenge or a frustration. And that's your opportunity to step into that role. And, and you know, those, those moments when we're watching a movie and we want to just yell at the screen and say, you could do this differently. You could reframe this in this way. This is your opportunity in your life to imagine a better solution and sometimes make it happen for yourself. Well, this is one of my favorite offerings that you have. So I, I love just like getting the backstory on how you got here. Yay. I love to talk about it. So today we're talking about more creating. Create- oh, we're always talking about creating, but in this particular episode... We're talking about creating traditions, which has come up in little bits over the last few episodes. We have a new tradition of our own here on the show when we close each episode by answering the question, what is the art life? We've now invited you, the audience, to participate. I mentioned my family pub quiz, and we got to thinking about, wait, we have a lot of traditions that we could share with all of you. So Grace, what is one tradition that you would like to share? So one of my favorite family traditions is something that I remember happening my whole life, you know, from early childhood, because it was something I believe my grandmother started, my maternal grandmother. She was an incredible gift giver and just a warm, amazing woman. Um, But she was such a playful person too. And when I was a kid, she had a tradition with my mom, which was that um, every Christmas she, like, it was a tradition that she gave my mom really embarrassing lacy underwear that she had to, like, open (laughs) when we were opening presents as a family and it was something that was like 
originally just a joke. Like my mom would get some like Victoria's Secret ridiculous thing that she would be all like blushing and embarrassed by. (laughs) But it has become an every year tradition. So even though my grandmother, you know, is no longer with us, we have carried this out my whole life. So every year at Christmas, um, someone, either my sister or I or my mom or all of us, uh, we buy each other like some ridiculous, embarrassing underwear. And it's so random when like when I'm telling you this, it sounds so (laughs) crazy, but it's something that's so normal in our family. Like it's like I've it's not even something I really think about anymore. It's just like what you do. But I realized when we came up with this episode topic, oh, I have to share this one because it's so <laughs> playful and it's so funny. And it's something I, that we've done in my family my whole life. Um, but that was something that my grandmother started and I we carry out to this day and something I will certainly do to embarrass my family members for the rest of my life. I love how you described this tradition as something that feels totally normal to your family, but to an outsider might not seem familiar. Yeah. And that is such a specific type of of family tradition that um, I encourage our listeners to pay attention to and notice what in their family is normal that um, is actually unique because that's so special. Yeah, it's something I almost take for granted because I'm just so used to it. Oh, yeah. It's almost Christmas. Got to go buy some underwear. <laughs> what? <laughs> Zandra, what about you? What's a tradition that you've created? Well, that one reminds me of uh, this wasn't even on my prep list, but it's historic. And so it, this is one of those things that my family would always do is when we went to the movies, we would have we would discuss a movie like the entire ride home which was sometimes 30 minutes 40 minutes and then we would discuss it through dinner and like the rest of the evening and this conversation would start with my sister asking what's your favorite part which has since inspired our my podcast with her and we didn't realize I never knew that this isn't what every other family does until my husband, Steve, met my family for the first time. We were in London watching the third um, Dark Knight film. And we, for the first time, it was very special. And afterwards, we were just talking about it for hours and hours. And Steve was like, what are you doing? His family would just like, watch a movie and be like, oh, that was that was fun. And um, have a normal amount of conversation, but like we wouldn't let it go and would probably talk about it for several days afterwards. But we kind of point back to that that first day that he met my family as like, oh, that was the day we also found out we're total movie nerds. I love that it also turned into a podcast that you have with your sister. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's just perfect. Like, it's such an important part of how your family bonds, and now you get to share it with the world. I'm just thinking about our art lives and how often what comes the most naturally to us that just feels like, yes, this is how I, this is part of how I live my life. Like that is often a talent or something that is different that we don't realize because it just feels so familiar. What else? I think this feels like a, a, a like, 
camp- duet campfire episode. It is. It's just story after story. And I'm so happy to share this kind of thing because it's also a nice reminder that our families or our groups of friends are just such integral parts of our art lives or that they can be. Like the traditions that we have or we create can be an opportunity to to share and connect and make the environment that you want to have. Um, it's very empowering as an artist to to take it beyond the painting you make or the essay you write or whatever it is and go, no, I get to create every aspect of my life and share that with the people that I love. So I was excited to do this episode um, right now at this moment in time because uh, I have a tradition that I created among my friends and for my friends that I have not been able to do much of this year because of quarantine, but um, I'm going to be able to do, or I'm, I'm going to sort of uh, start up again at the end of this month. So I have a tradition that every full moon, so about once a month, every full moon, I gather some friends together and we hike to the Griffith Observatory. Um, we do a night hike. So we usually start when you know, around sunset, and we hike up to Griffith Observatory on the full moon, and we howl at the moon at certain points on the hike. And At um, certain points. At certain points. Uh, <laughs> it is mandatory, though, that you howl at the yes. moon at some point on the hike. Um, I love hiking. I love night hiking specifically, especially in Los Angeles. It gets so hot, so it's way more ple- like pleasant to hike at night in my opinion. And we are so blessed to have the Griffith Observatory, this historic, beautiful, like cinematic monument that we can go hike up to. Um, So I created this tradition because I like night hiking anyway, but also because I am someone who's very affected by the moon cycles. So I have always felt like every full moon, the day before and then the day of, I get foggy. And I usually get kind of like emotionally low. And this is something I've really noticed about myself. Um, So it's like a perfect release that on this full moon, on every full moon, I get to go howl and, you know, be frustrated and release it. And it's so much fun. And um, it's something that I like to do every single month and I haven't been able to do for a long time. But Ketra, my roommate, and I decided we are definitely going to do it this month, and we're going to probably dress up in Halloween costumes to sort of restart this tradition, this monthly tradition that we haven't been able to do for a while. And uh, I'm really excited, and it's just like, it's it's something that, yet again, was sort of like just born from from like the fact that, you know, I get like frustrated and moody every full moon. <laughs> So I just, like, want to do something like that anyway. But it's become a thing that I sort of host and facilitate every month. And it's it's a, so silly and it's a unique thing. And uh, I enjoy inviting people along. Um, I often, or, I, you know, I used to, like, have people would, like, send me uh, 
videos or like Instagram stories of their own full moon night hikes howling at the moon with their friends because I inspired them to like do this every so often. So it's something that I really enjoy and it is very cathartic, but it's also just so silly. This is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier and you have created a an adventure tradition out of the obstacle of feeling frustrated and moody at the full moon. It's on the calendar. It's in the sky. It's, you, you know when it's coming. Exactly. And it's the perfect time to night hike because it's well lit thanks to a big, beautiful moon. So we've got family traditions. We've got friend and lunar traditions. <laughs> Any other category of tradition you'd like to bring forward? Well, I'd love to hear if you have any friendship traditions or anything you can share in that vein. Ooh, I have a university one that comes to mind when at Oxford I would have my tutorial on Tuesday and that was the day that was like the big day. actually maybe that's why I now publish things on Tuesday just subconsciously. Um because that's when my essay was due, that's when I would have my one-on-one or my two-on-one with my tutor. It was a very intense day. And in the evening, my favorite restaurant in Oxford called Kasbar, it's a Moroccan tapas place, they would have like an early evening special of two-for-one tapas. And um, one of my friends also had his tutorials on Tuesday. So the two of us and one of our other friends, it was usually the, th- the three of us who had a little table that we would go every Tuesday night. And we figured out that the optimal number of people was between three and five. So it was a it was this weekly invitation that each of us could be like, oh, I just met someone and I'm going to bring them to Tapas Tuesday. It was like a way to welcome a new person into our friend group and meet each other's friends in this really intimate and... Um, and like cozy and delicious setting um, that was our way of winding down from a big stressy academic day. As someone who loves Morocco and Moroccan food, I'm so glad that we've now had two references to Moroccan food in this episode. <laughs> yes, I need, I well, maybe I just need to learn to make it myself. I think that you do. Did you get to know the restaurant owners or like did they did they sort of uh, notice you guys there weekly? I think they did. I was so shy <laughs> at the time, um, but they were kind of like, oh, hey, um, my favorite story about that kind of thing, though, is I would my other tradition was to write my essay. I've actually now written an essay about writing my essays um, about this very topic where I would go to an ice cream cafe um, called G&D's, and I would get there right when it opened and claim my favorite table with my laptop and write my, my essay for the, the two hours that I figured out it took me to finish my essay. And I would always get an affogato as a treat for the occasion when usually on a student budget, I would be like getting the cheapest tea and then filling up the loyalty card and then I would cash it in for an affogato. And there was a really quiet person who always worked there. And one time I wasn't feeling well or something, so I ordered a, a tea on essay day. And he goes, not an affogato? Aww. I was like, you remembered. 
It was so great. I remember this couple back in Philly who, um, they were just a, they were a lovely couple who I ended up becoming friends with, but at our local comic shop in our neighborhood, um, I met them because every Sunday they would do like coffee or they would do comics and crepes. So, um, this couple, they actually met online, like online dating and they, uh, bonded quickly because of a shared love of this comic series saga and like ended up getting married and like moving to Philly together. And so I met them around that time. Um, and I remember how every single Sunday they would have this tradition where they would go pick up their stack of comics at like the local comic shop and then go to the little crepery and, uh, and like share that, you know, read together and eat crisps. And it was just so lovely. I, I remember just lighting up when I heard that they did that. So it reminds me of that. That's so wonderful. I'm th- this is weird. I'm, th- I'm thinking <laughs> this isn't really a tradition, but you just got me thinking about how there is this intrinsic connection between crepe places and comic books in my life, too. What? Yeah, so there's Camden, Camden Market in London, and there's like a a galette place that is right next to a famous comic book shop. And then here in Edinburgh, I yesterday I was just walking by a comic book shop that is around the corner from like the best crepe stand here. So I may need to uh, make something happen here with the. Uh, the UK branch of this crap and comics tradition. I guess that it's just a faded combination. It's just meant to be. It makes so much sense somehow. (laughs) I love these food pairings. Yes, exactly. And my last tradition that I actually wanted to share is something related to to food or mealtimes. It's something that I've wanted to instill. And because I knew that our episode was like I knew that this episode topic was coming I've actually been consistently doing it so I am always envious of or in admiration of my friends who pray before they eat dinner or pray before they eat anything um I did not grow up in any sort of like religious household or with any sort of religious background but I always love when I'm like going out to eat with someone new or just a friend who who says, hey, like, you know, you know, do you mind for a minute if I just pray, bless the food? Um, I just always thought that was so lovely. So something that I thought of maybe a year ago was, gosh, I would love if every every time I had dinner, I read a poem right before. And that that was like my version of uh of a prayer. So I have been reading a poem before I eat dinner for the last week, and I am really looking forward to when I have dinner with someone else, um, sharing that with them and either bringing a poem that I think they'll like or asking them to bring one or just shyly asking if they don't mind if I read a poem (laughs) before we eat because I just realized like I actually really love that as like a spiritual practice. And it's something I can absolutely have, even if it's not related to religion. So my new tradition that 
was um, that I'm accountable to have because of this show is reading a poem uh, before dinner every night. So art life. So art life. How do you pick the poem? Well, I guess that that depends on, like, if I'm eating with someone else, depends on the theme of the meal, because then I'll find a poet from that region of the world. Um, (laughs) I, right now, I just, like, am reading poems from a book. So, you know, I, I, I do read a lot of poetry. So I've just been doing, you know, read whatever next poem is in my book of poetry that I'm reading at the time. But I have thought about that with, like, oh, well, if I'm uh, sharing a meal with someone, I'll bring something that I think they would like or that's relevant to them right now. Or I'll have a collection of like shorter poems for if I'm eating with new people so that I don't feel like I'm reading a 20-page poem before dinner. Um, <laughs> this like, this a, evening's poem is called The Odyssey. Yes, right. So you don't <laughs> need to read The Odyssey. Um <laughs> And it's cool because it will also inspire me to, like, start collecting poems, um, to collect my favorite poems. I I really love poetry, and it's something that I like sharing with other people since I think poetry can be very intimidating if you don't have um, a connection to it or if you were only reading poetry you don't connect to when you were in school. So it's, like, a good opportunity to also share poetry that's more accessible or more relevant or share the poems of poets who I want to like boost up um so there's it's it'll come from all sorts of things there are certainly favorite poets po- favorite poems of mine that I will repeat over time whether it's for myself or with new people but um right now it's just like reading through whatever book I'm reading at the time Oh, you've got me thinking. I want to start. I want a tradition now. And, um, you know, there's that like poem for every day of the year. There are a few anthologies like that. And I kind of, I really like what you said about repeating poems. And I want to find, like, I want to make my own anthology for me personally and pick some favorite poems and always read them at certain times of the year. Exactly. That's perfect. Grace, what is the art life? The art life is playful. Yeah. What is the art life? The art life is storytelling. I think it's in sharing, just in like, in hearing your traditions. I had prepared my own list of traditions to bring, but you reminded me of fresh ones that I had counted as traditions, so... The art life is sharing stories. It really is, whether it's actually like reading poetry or comics or just being inspired by one another's stories. I love that. Yeah, the art life is storytelling. And I love that this episode started with cooking and food and uh, ended with it as well. Well, we're not done yet because we have a submitted review Our tradition at the end of this episode is, or the end of each episode in our second year of the art life is to bring in an audience answer to the question, what is the art life? So my mom sent in this review titled, The Art Life is Every Day, and you are going to laugh when you hear it. Cannot wait. 
She says, When I listen to this show, I realize that everyone can be an artist. You don't have to be paid for your art to be considered an artist. Even when I proudly present food on a plate with garnish, it feels like a piece of art. When I scrapbook or just decorate with washi tape, I am an artist too. Every day you experience the art life. You might not realize it yet. I love that so much. And I just, I'm reminded though that she, um, your mom is an incredible artist who makes her own stationery and like created our signature art life stationery. So yes, every, she is an artist and she, you know, brings her creativity in everything she does. That is such a good example of, of that thing that I was describing earlier where you might she didn't even mention stationery as part of her art because she's like, oh, yeah, that's so easy to me. I've been doing that for so long. It doesn't feel like special. But we look at it and go, that is definitely art. Like Choosing those typefaces and those colors like that is what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, food was the first thing she thought of. And the other day I um, I phoned my parents and they, my mom answered the phone with like, hi, we're doing our art life now. <laughs> they were scrapbooking. Oh, well, I love that review. And yes, people listening, um, submit your responses to what is the art life in an iTunes review or on your Apple Podcasts app. And we will read it out loud on the show. Can't wait to read more answers. So, Zandra, we have talked about some of your essay writing traditions whether it was at university or um, what brought you to your print essays now, uh, where can people find your art? I will link in the show notes to the specific essays I mentioned, like Owl Post and Work is Allowed to Feel Lovely. Actually, Work is Allowed to Feel Lovely, the one about writing in the ice cream cafe, is one of the three essays featured in my free audiobook, A Play in Three Acts. So, I'm not going to link to the essay. I'm going to link to the audiobook instead so you can listen to me read it to you. And all of this is also discoverable on heroinetraining.com. And if you're interested in the print edition and receiving my essays in the post, you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash heroinetraining. Grace, where can people find your art? Right now, the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm at Grace Gordon Official. That's where you can see sort of my day-to-day art life, as well as where I share updates about my modeling work, etc. I've really been enjoying shooting with my friend Eric more frequently. He's just an incredible photographer, and we've been creating so much together. So a lot of that has been posted on Instagram recently. Um as well as in my Instagram, little like story highlights. You can see my yes chef story highlight where I always <laughs> um, put whatever I like am proud of that I have cooked. So if you're interested in seeing what I get up to in terms of cooking, which is a huge part of my art and my art life and my facilitating of community, uh, you can check out that highlight because there's things from the past like two years that I've cooked up on Instagram. Fantastic. I hope you'll post some poems there, too. Yes, perhaps I will. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. 
Well, everyone, send us your answers to the question, what is the art life, by leaving a review. Send us your traditions if you'd like to share them as well. And in the meantime, from my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson-Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.